enjoy today's worship. Sometimes people get asked, like, oh, how long does it take for me to do sermon preparation? And I would say sermon preparation uh, doesn't end until I come up to preach, uh, until I come up to preach. Because even when Victor and Anthony, even as they lead us in songs of worship, as I'm also worshiping God, that's also a time of what? Preparing my heart for the preaching of God's Word. Uh, one of the songs we sang today is 10,000 Reasons. You guys remember that? 10,000 Reasons, okay. Uh, and that's actually singing about all the reasons why we could worship who? God. All the reasons why we should love God, okay. Um, if you remember the line, how does it begin? Blessed, blessed, Victor, could you sing for me? <laughs> or, or Anthony, sing for us. <laughs> blessed. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Yeah. Right, blessed the Lord, all my soul. If you look at that, that's almost like <coughs> verses 3, right? Blessed be the God and Father, okay? Now that song says 10,000 reasons, okay, that we could bless the Lord, okay? I think there's 10,000 reasons or even more. Every single day, every single minute that we have life is also because of what? Another reason why we thank God and we love Him and all of that, okay? So in looking at this, in looking at this uh, with these reasons, we also see Ephesians chapter 1 verses really 3 to 14 gives us reasons why we could bless God. Reasons why we could love God and thank Him, okay? And the way if you look at this, the way it's divided, I'm going to just draw this just so, so that we see the big picture perspective. Why we're looking at verses 13 and 14 is if you notice every uh, verses 6, it mentioned in the end is what? To the praise of His grace. Then if you look also as well in verses 12, you see how it ends the verse, the praise of His what? Glory. So each one is to the praise. And in verse 14, which we'll cover today, it says the praise of His glory again. And each one of them is actually appears these three times, is after each God has says, Hey, you know how much I love you? Why should we bless God? Why should we sing to Him? Why should we worship Him? It's because of the work of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? So I have messy handwriting. I hope this is able to, uh, to be clear. Okay? So the Father is mentioned... What he's done for us, okay? Also as well as who? The Son, which is who? Jesus, okay? And Holy Spirit, okay? That's good. I know. It's almost like but my lines are never straight, okay? I'm the kid in school that you probably knew that could never color within the line, okay? So, well, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? And you see these are the reasons why we thank God, why we bless God. If you look again in verses 3... Uh, uh, verses 4 What are the reasons why is He chose us Or in theology we call that election Not to be confused With what's going on this upcoming Tuesday Okay <laughs> So election Then you see pre What That's the uh, uh, I'm nervous now Okay <laughs> Okay Predestined Okay uh, I'll just it's predestination, but we get that idea, okay? Then the other one is what? Also, as well as we covered, is what? Adoption. Okay? This is what the Father, what? Does, right? Okay? God, the Father has a plan to love us, to save us. He predestined it before time, okay? Then adoption. You remember the whole thing we've gone over about He loved us, okay? So everything with adoption always initiate with the one that... The Father adopting, okay? So that's in verses 1 through 6 is what the Father's done. This is, in other words, this book begins really showing the love of God. It's a love letter from God, okay? What He has done for us. These are the reasons why we bless God, okay? Among those 10,000 reasons is election, predestination, adoption. Then we see the work of the Son, which is what? Yeah, in Christ, which is redemption. You guys see that in verses 7? Okay. Uh, verses 7. Oh man, I'm getting embarrassed with my writing. <laughs> okay, it's okay. Oh, verses, uh, uh, no, no, it's good. And then also as well as forgive, right? Unless you want to be my Vanna White. <laughs> okay, so forgive, okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> In the Marines, we often call what? Do you guys do this? Your generation? We always call people up, oh, we need a Vanna White. The instructor sergeant will teach and someone will, will draw it out, okay? So forgiveness is one, okay? Uh, uh, and that, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so we see forgiveness, redemption. And also as well, if you look, now we're going to look at the work of the, the Holy Spirit, okay? Which is today, is in verses 13 and 14. And really, uh, we could write down under the Holy Spirit, seal. We'll explain what that word means, okay? 
seal. This is going to be in verses 13. And if you could also put Holy Spirit also as well. He promised the Holy Spirit, which himself, yeah. Like he's giving himself too, okay? He's giving of himself. And the last part is pledge. Or actually, oh, oh sorry. Instead of writing pledge, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. The better word is, oh, what is the word? Sorry. Uh, the better word is, does your version all say uh, pledge in verses 14? Okay, yes, down payment. If you could put that, that's a better, I know that's a bit longer, okay? I'll explain why later, why down payment is a better word than pledge, okay? Uh, down payment, okay? So all of this is to say, these are the reasons why we thank God. We sing about 10,000 reasons, but the Bible is looking here uh, of just these reasons, okay? And that's pretty much it for now, thank you. Uh, it's, it's a better writing than, than mine, okay? Uh, I remember the first time... Uh, I was courting Nancy when I was interested in her. If you ever hear the story, I did a handwriting analysis because uh, the security company I used to work for, they, they used to have these guys that uh, they actually get paid big bucks for companies to look at what do you call those uh, employee and, uh, forms and just to, you know, they give a blank paper and just to evaluate the personality. And one day at work, I remember this lady says, I know who you are. And then she started describing me from the handwriting analysis. And then I was like, okay, wow, this is... And then the other people started saying, hey, please don't talk about me, please, yeah? In front of others, okay? But anyways, uh, you can see writing is different. Mine's a little nervous, shaking, okay? So here today we're going to see uh, really the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, today we're going to have three points. Why we bless God. Specifically, why we bless God for the Holy Spirit, what He's done for us, okay? If you're taking notes, these are three points. Uh, bless you. Point number one is praise God for being sealed, okay? This is in verse 13. So point number one, why do we uh, thank God is praise, uh, number one is praise God for being sealed. Oh, by the way, each one will unpack it, okay? This is found in verses 13. Point number two, in the second part of verse 13, is praise God for the promised Holy Spirit. Praise God for the promised Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit gives Himself. We'll explain what that means. But that's uh, something we could thank God for, is He's given the Holy Spirit to live inside us, okay? Praise God for the promised Holy Spirit. That's point number two. Again, point number two is praise God for the promised Holy Spirit. Then point number three is praise God for the pledge. Uh, correction. Uh, praise God for the down payment. Okay? Uh, praise God for the down payment. Okay, praise God for the down payment. This is found in verses 14. And even as we saw at the end of verse 14, notice it's saying to the praise of His glory. These are all the reasons why we sing to Him, why we love Him. Why even when we do the hard things, we, we still do. We love others. We forgive others. We, we endure. We provide. We, we work. We do all these things is because of what God has loved us. And notice, by the way, the love is not just from the Son. We often as Christians only think about what Christ has done. But this is the role of everyone in the Trinity. That we believe that God is one being. He's different than anything else. We usually one being is one person. But God is one being in some mystery is three person. Okay, coexisting. The Father has done His work, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? We sometimes say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, but we don't think, thank the Father for what He's done. Or even the Holy Spirit that lives in us and does His work continuously today as Christ is up in heaven, okay? So in light of all this, these are the reasons why we praise God. And with that, let's look now at verses 13. And the first point today is we want to praise God for being sealed. We want to praise God for being what? Sealed, okay? We want to praise God for being sealed. Look with me in the first half of verse 13. The first half of verse 13 established our point number one is we want to praise God for being sealed. And if you guys have been paying attention as we're going through Ephesians, you'll notice that every one of these words are really rich, really loaded words that gives really coming from the natural world of everyday life to give an illustration of what? Of what God has done for us. You guys remember we've done a study on redemption, right? You guys remember that a few weeks ago? We've done a word study on the word adoption as it developed theologically. Uh, as a biblical theology from Old Testament to New, okay? We've looked at even redemption, right, from Old Testament to New. So in the same way, each one of these words, seal, down payment, um, all of this is rich in showing how much God has loved us. Is why we thank Him and why we obey Him, right? As we sang earlier today, trust and obey, okay? So point number one, we praise God for being sealed. And notice here in verses 13, the first part, it says, you were sealed in Him. So then we ask the natural question, what does the word seal mean, okay? This word uh, is, appears 15 times in the New Testament. 
And this is actually a reference in that time period. We see that word. Um, by the way, this is a good example, right? Um, we always interpret the word according to its what? Biblical meaning. You should not see here and think, ooh, Navy commandos, right? The word seals, okay? This is referring to, we have to always interpret the Bible, what it means originally 2,000 years ago. And then we see what it means then. Then we bring the meaning out and application for our lives today. This word appears 15 times in the New Testament and is actually an official mark of identification, okay? Uh, it's an official mark of identification. It's placed usually on letters or other important documents, such as a contract, okay? Uh, a letter or document. And it was made usually from hot wax. And then someone will bring their ring, their signet ring, and put a stamp on it, okay? Uh, if you guys watch enough, uh, I don't know, enough movies of old times, you guys ever seen like Roman time period? Or maybe even Chinese movie? They, uh, uh, the emperor has what? Like a, a signet ring, okay? Uh, and you can maybe even think of like, uh, maybe the closer part in history is, you think of the Revolutionary War. You guys remember? There was a, what kind of tax? Stamp Act, right? Anything official document, you have to notarize or, or stamp, then therefore what? You have this seal, and then they tax that, okay? Which then lead to any other things, okay? So we get the idea, is usually you put a seal. It's a hot wax. After you sign a document, you seal the letter, or you, you want to make it official, then you put hot wax there just a little bit, and then you get a stamp or a ring, and then you stamp it. And then you're saying, hey, this is what? Official, okay? So that's what the function of sealing is. Uh, or that's what sealing is. And usually it has four function. Four or five function, okay? So a multiple function. It's there sometimes for the purpose of security, okay? It's for the purpose of security. So I'm going to go over how are these different things functioning, okay? So we want to see what it originally means. And then, because the Bible, the author, Paul, is using that word very specifically to convey a point about what the Holy Spirit has done for us, okay? You see this word in just the natural realm of its natural use for an idea of security. Turn with me real quick. To Matthew chapter 27, okay? If you know Matthew 27, it describes after Christ has been dead, okay? We're going to see a non-spiritual use, just a, a normal physical use of this, okay? You remember Jesus Christ died, he was buried, okay? And when he was buried, um, the enemies of Jesus was like, oh, we don't want people to tamper with it. And then say he's been raised from the dead, that kind of thing. So he, they asked Pilate, which is the Roman governor, okay? By the way, the Roman governor, Pilate, actually do exist in the Bible. There were times that some people say, oh, Pilate is not real, it's made up in the Bible. Then they start finding a lot of records, okay? And apparently, um, he was a very brutal guy. In fact, the Roman emperor uh, had complaints from Samaritans saying, hey, this guy is brutal. And if you, he's too brutal, you're going to cause what? People want to have a revolution, so later on in his life, none of these guys, by the way, that killed Jesus, end up living a happy life afterward. So he was basically fired, and then he went to Europe in a small post. Not important. This is a guy that had ambition and all of that, okay? But here in verses 66, then he, uh, they made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone, okay? So this is to put a seal to say, hey, don't go over here. This is, if you cross this, you will deserve a death penalty, Okay? That's what it means, okay? You guys know sometimes when you see police or firefighters, they have that sign, do not cross, okay? Now, for us, it's no big deal. We put it down and walk over. But back then, the seal here, if there's a seal, means that, hey, if you cross this, you're going to be crucified also as well, okay? So it's a purpose of security. The other uh, purpose is uh, authentication, okay? Uh, if you guys could turn with me to First Kings, this is more Old Testament. This is the Greek... Translation of the Old Testament uses this term. Uh, 1 Kings 21.8, okay? 1 Kings 21.8. I'm, I'm trying to, again, show what's the function, the multifacet of seal, just so that later on when we apply this spiritually, we see, wow, there's a sense we do have security in Christ, that kind of thing, okay? 1 uh, uh, Kings chapter 21, verses 8. So she wrote... Letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with a seal, and sent them to the elders and to the nobles who are living with Naboth in his city. Now, this is in the Bible, but this is actually pointing out a non-spiritual, just an everyday, ordinary use. If you know the context here, there was a really bad queen named Jezebel, okay? Never understood why people would name their daughters Jezebel, right? Uh, Jezebel here, okay? And then in verses 8, she wrote a letter in Ahab's name and sealed it. 
with his seal, okay? This is also, by the way, back then, even like you see in many culture, not just Middle East, not just Europe, and also in Asian culture and all that, when there's a king who has the ring of the king, sometimes the king doesn't uh, approve of everything. He has his advisor, maybe his wife, and other people uh, doing things in his name. So here you see there is a sense where now we see its use is for authentication, okay? Authentication. Also, it's a way of also saying something is genuine, okay? Uh, I'm not going to look at that. Uh, I'm just going to go a little faster now. And also ownership, okay? Ownership also as well. Uh, for this part, do turn with me. Do turn with me to Jeremiah 32, verse 44, okay? Jeremiah uh, uh, 32, verse 44. I want to look at this verse. Why? It's a show that is a natural function. It also shows ownership. Jeremiah 32, uh, verses 44, okay? Jeremiah 32, verses 44. Um, Men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, and calling witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the environs of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of hill country, okay? In the cities of Lowland, in the cities of Negev, I will, for I will restore their fortune, declares the Lord. And the context here is God is promising, yes, uh, during the time of Jeremiah, they are very sinful, Yes, they will be disciplined, but God's plan is even when the uh, Babylonians come over, they're not going to be fully wiped out. They're not going to be fully wiped out. And here we see God promises grace and mercy still that, you know, one day people will return to the same lands that the Babylonians would destroy and all that, okay? They're exiled, but God still bring them back, okay? By the way, that's the history of Israel throughout history. Have they been scattered away from their country throughout more, more than one time in history, right? When's the first time? Uh, the way I try to remember is ABC, okay? The first one is the Assyrian, okay? Around 600, 630-ish um, BC, okay? Um, that's what happened, okay? Uh, with the Assyrian. If you guys know your history, Assyrian Empire, they were very brutal. They're so brutal, right? They, they did that, okay? The next one is Babylonians in 586 BC, okay? About 100 years later, uh, the 10 tribes were first scattered, then the last two tribes were scattered. Uh, but that was not the only time. By God's grace, they came back to Israel, okay? Twice. And then the third time, I say C is for Caesar, okay? During the Roman Empire. 70 AD, what happened? The Roman Empire came and destroyed Jerusalem and kicked out everyone out of the land, okay? Uh, the, and then, when did they come back? As I mentioned again in history. 1948, okay? Uh, was it June something, I think? Uh, 1948, okay? Uh, they came back as a nation again, okay? So it's one of the strangest things. I think it's the only time you ever see in history where, you know, in history where per, the, uh, people have been kicked out and yet been brought back, not just once, not just twice, but three times, okay? And even something I learned from Ben Chung, um, even uh, when I was traveling, he was just saying, hey, you know what? All these languages, many languages died, but only one lang dead language ever came back to be spoken by a nation or, or people group, and that's actually Hebrew. Okay, I think that's a perseverance, the love of God. And when you look at this verse here, it's saying, hey, you know what? You'll buy land. And when you buy land, there's a whole process, right? When you, when you buy a house, is there a multiple process? Paperwork, yes? What are some things you do? Escrow, what else? Help me out here. Insurance. Insurance, right? Uh, all that, you know, uh, down payment, all of that. And then you want to make it all, what, legally official, Yes. So this here, when it says seal, is that idea of ownership, of transfer of ownership, okay? So all of this, okay, uh, when you turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 1, I think there's a sense where that word is loaded with all of those meaning. But the one that dominates them all, the primary emphasis, when you turn back with me in Ephesians 1.13, is I think is the idea that you are owned by God, okay? You are owned by God. That He is yours, and you are his. And yet, who are the ones that are sealed? I want to make it clear in verses 13, there's are also a responsibility, okay? Who are the ones that are sealed? This is one of the things we thank God for, that He seals us, okay? He gives us security, or He owns us, and you are His, and He is yours. And from that, they flow from security in your life, okay, a spiritual security of your salvation, right? That, that God has made you a genuine believer, all of that, okay? Um, is a way of testing, uh, testing that, hey, you are now His, uh, all of this, okay? So all of this is, the question is, what is our responsibility? Uh, that is, who are those that are sealed? In verses 13, the first part that you catch that it says, In Him 
you also after listening to the message of truth. And this is where the responsibility of our part is to listen to what? The act of listening, okay? What do we listen to? Does all your version, uh, some of your versions say the message of truth? Does your ver- anyone else's version say something else different? Besides message of truth? Word of truth. Okay, this is New King James at Amplified. Okay, thank you. And Mr. Burton, you're reading uh, New King James? It's New American. Okay, New American. Okay, word of truth. Okay, I, uh, literally here is the word of truth. Logos uh, is the word here. Okay, I think it's actually referring to the word of God. Uh, here is what we have to do. In being sealed, our responsibility is what? We have to first listen to the word of God. Okay. Uh, to listen to the word of God. And it clarifies. What does it mean the word of truth? Word of truth. It clarifies this by the next phrase. The gospel of your salvation. Okay. And the gospel is the message of what? Gospel literally in Greek means good news. Okay. Uh, the good news only makes sense in light of the bad news. Okay. In light of the bad news. Um, just like if someone believed they might have cancer. They're getting tested. First there's the bad news. Like okay. You know. Um, there's some. Uh, tumor cells. The question is, is it uh, cancerous or is it non-cancerous, right? Then you hear the, the good news, right? So in the same way, uh, in light of that, okay, in light of that, you see in this passage here, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, uh, here we see is that we have to believe in the gospel, okay? It's not just only here, because we can hear, go out one ear, out the other. But verses 13 shows a second responsibility, that if you're sealed, the condition is that we need to, this yes is the work, of the work of God, okay? But our responsibility is we need to hear God's word and also believe, okay? Um, believe could be a term that's so used and abused so many times. What is uh, biblically, what believes mean is trust, okay? What believe means is trust. Uh, I know I use this analogy all the time. You and I could point to a parachute and we could define what a parachute is what? It's something when you jump out, you could then... Uh, when you jump out, you could, uh, you could also, uh, you know, uh, that deploys and that you land after it deploys from a plane. Okay, so that is what uh, that is what a parachute does. But it's another thing, not just to believe it works. But if you go on a plane ten thousand feet in the air, and you were, and then you uh, go up there, uh, you go up there, and then you jump out, you don't just think this is so you trust it in it. Okay, that's what the Greek word means. With believe is the word trust, okay? So you see here, our responsibility is we need to hear and also believe, okay? Uh, we need to hear and also believe. So as application, remember what this word seal does. Remember all those things we said? It gives security, authenticity, ownership, and authority. I think there's application from this truth, okay? First part, if in Christ, if you believe in Christ, the Spirit says... You are now saved, and you won't lose your salvation. He will hold you dear. If you truly have believed and trusted in Him, you will now have trusted in Him, okay? And you want to live for Him, okay? So part of that is, you know, sometimes as Christians, do we ever sometimes go through doubt when we are going through dry season, or a spiritual dry season, or a time where we are maybe perhaps not in our best, we're sinning, we're struggling a lot. And then sometimes we feel like, oh, am I still His? How do I know I'm still His? Is that if you're a truly believer, yes, He'll convict you. But also when you turn to Him, He'll forgive you. And then He'll say, hey, I am, you are His. And I am yours, okay? So in light of this, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13. uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13. You see here, uh, in light of that, that we have security in Christ, okay? I do believe the Bible teaches that in this world, there are demonic forces, okay? There are demonic forces. Um, there are demonic forces that want to do bad things to believers, okay? But yet, in the spiritual realm, do we have a protection spiritually? Yes. And this is what the seal does, okay? Um, it, it shows that we are secure in Him. But it begins first by knowing that we belong to God, okay? It begins first by knowing that we are belonging to God, Okay? Uh, one of the things, um, just an analogy, is sometimes, you know, a lot of this is because you're owned by certain, uh, by God, therefore there comes the flow, the application of security, okay? Um, I, uh, a few years ago, when I was traveling uh, to Nepal, 
Uh, Nepal actually is famous for one of the things they're famous for many things Himalayas mountains and everything else is uh, they're also famous for their soldiers mountain soldiers mm -hmm. called Gurkhas if you guys know anything about it those guys are I mean even just you think they're legends but then you hear stories I mean if you go, go Google even within this last 10 years one of the Gurkhas that serve in the British Army fought against 30 Taliban Okay, I don't know why they give him only the second highest medal. It's just crazy. Like he just fired everything through his tripod. The only thing he didn't use was his knife because he, he didn't have his knife with him. I mean, he was just fighting hand to hand. It was just like, wow, okay? And you think, oh, maybe that's just one time. Then if you go Google, there's another story of an Indian Gurkha, of a, a Nepali mountain soldier that was serving in India. When he was retiring, he w went back on train. And then these guys came, robbed the train with guns and everything. And he was trying not to do anything. Until he, you know, he, let, he actually let the guys rob them, except he hit his knife, okay? He let him, he didn't cause any problem until they grabbed a woman and wanted to do things to him. And then that lady is like, hey, aren't you a uh, Gurkha? Don't you have any honor? And he just busted out that Gurkha knife, and you know what he did? He ended up like chasing 40 guys away, okay? Mm -hmm. True story. Then they gave him retirement. They made him retire early with no pension. Mm -hmm. Then after that became an international thing, right? Then they, then they did. It was like, whoa, okay? So these guys are legendary with their curved sword. You guys probably seen that, okay? So one year when I was traveling back, in order to, uh, to Nepal, you have to travel. Uh, when I went to this one country, you cannot have those long knives. It's considered a weapon, okay? Oh. And I went there, I said, oh, okay. And they're like, why would you have such a thing? It's like, where are you from? It's like, oh, I'm from America. Then like, oh, okay. Then they just put a sticker, you know, to America, and it was okay to send mm -hmm. it back home, at least in that year. N not anymore, okay? Not anymore, but with that. Sometimes we see the ownership, the security, putting that seal, right? Same thing as an analogy. Once you know, when Satan comes over and sees you, and you are, you are now his, he realizes, oh, okay, messed with this is messing with who? With God, okay? It's almost as if you have a spiritual passport with, the, with Christ uh, uh, on that. You're owned by Christ. There's a sense of security. It also shows you're a true believer. If you're sealed by God, if you're sealed by the, uh, the Holy Spirit, we see that therefore... There will be fruits to show you're a true believer. And what are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Remember, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, being sealed. So if you're sealed, does that show any fruit in your life that you're a believer? Yes. Put your pinky or thumb in Ephesians and turn, maybe even the previous page, the, the previous chapter in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23. Gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ, we could read into that, have been sealed, have been crucified the flesh with its passion and desire. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is also testifying that, hey, you're a genuine believer. Then you will bear fruit. Our fruit might not be perfect. By the way, just like if you look at a tree, some trees have what? Small fruit, big fruit. But there will be some kind of fruit. There will be some kind of fruit. Each fruit, every believer might look differently, okay? But a true believer will bear this. And as they're growing over the years, you'll see that, okay? Now, when a newbie Christian or an immature Christian might struggle with that, but nevertheless, you see over time, there will be this manifestation that you are what? Secure, that you've been sealed. So a seal is also to authenticate that you really are a believer, okay? Now, in light of all this, I want to ask you guys a question. Which one of these do you need to focus more on your life today? Which one of these do you need to focus on today? For some of us, as we go through various trials, the appropriation of the truth that we are sealed means that we must what? We must definitely trust in God for our anxiety. Sometimes we can be blown away, like, they, oh, whoa, everything in life is so difficult, but sometimes we need to focus on, you know what? Our identity is in Christ. He's loved you. He's died for you. He's redeemed you. And you need to focus the fact that He is what? You are secure in His arms. Even when you go through trials, it's meant to still bring you uh, good out of it. Okay? Uh, meant to maybe perhaps even discipline you, but it will bring good out in your life. Okay? So some of us need to focus on that. In the anxiety, as our life goes through many things that are unstable and flexing, you know, in flux, we need to focus on our security in Christ. Some of us might even need to focus on the fact that as you're living through life, are you bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit? If not, don't, the first thing is don't just say, oh, I'm going to go try to earn this self-righteously. But no, say, I believe that He loved me so much, He sealed me. Now that confidence in yourself, sometimes we have confidence over it messes up, but confidence that God working in me. 
that yeah, I'm sinful, I'm wretched, but God loves me so much, He sealed me. And therefore you're confident God will be working in who? In you, in changing you. And then as you love others, as they're difficult, you pray to God, Lord God, you sealed me. You showed that I am an authentic Christian. So in light of this, Lord God, I'm depending upon you. I'm trusting you. Help me, God. Crying out to the Spirit, help me, change me, transform me. Give me the strength to love. Give me the strength to be gentle. Give me the strength to be self-controlled. Give me all the strength to, to be good, to be patient, and also as well to have peace and joy. Some of us might even also as well perhaps even ask, Okay, I have not bear this fruit. Am I truly a believer? I think there's places for that. But if you discover you're not a believer, there's still hope. The hope is what? Turn and trust in Him. Okay, turn and trust in Him that He has loved you and that He has saved you. Okay, let's go to point number two. Praise God for the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, praise God for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So, what we are sealed with is made more clear in the next part of verse 13. The second part it says, With the Holy Spirit. So, what is the seal? He didn't give us a cheap wax, He didn't just give us, He gave Himself. God gave the Holy Spirit. By the way, sometimes that's the biggest gift, is it not? Even when we give gifts, even when we receive gifts, the biggest gift may not be that we have the problem with materialism, that we want things more than what? Those that we love ourselves, okay? Now, that's not an excuse to then not give gifts. So every year, I tell my wife, I should not be this, okay? It should not be like, I tell my wife, anniversary comes, our 10th year anniversary is coming up. I say, you know what, this year, I'm giving you a really good gift. And I put a bow on my head, right? That would be really weird, okay? But there's a sense it's true. If you love someone, yes, you'll give things. But may it not be that, in this, the, that we only get the gifts and not realize the giver, okay? The gift that He's given, yes, He sealed us, He brought us, secured all these things. But also in a sense, He gives us Himself, okay? He's given us Himself. And think about it, this is also true of each member of the Trinity, okay? The Son gave Him Himself as a what? Sacrifice. The Father gives Himself as that we can love Him. He could be our loving Father, guiding us, right? Comforting us, all that. And the Holy Spirit is also saying, hey, you know, when you're struggling in your faith, here's also the one He's inside you saying, you know what? Continue to believe and trust. Okay, continue to believe and trust. He's working within you. He's given us. I want to call attention to, when you look at verse 14, 13, the word promise. The Holy Spirit was promised. Even before the Holy Spirit lives in us, the Holy Spirit is, if you know in terms of Scripture, is in the Old Testament, it was a different time in terms of Holy Spirit uh, work, okay? Then in the New Testament, you see it's very different. And sometimes when you look, when you read Old Testament, you see, wow, these guys are crazy, are, are really, really sinful. This is actually to say, hey, a left by themselves, well, the Spirit, man, this is what you do. People are capable of what? Many heinous and evil things. The point of the Old Testament isn't just only look at these guys and say, be their example. It's sometimes you look at it, interpret God's law and say, hey, these guys have sinned. And this is what we would be like too. We're no different. We shouldn't be looking at judging, hey, we're better. It's saying, without the Spirit's help, this is what we end up being like. And now God says He's given the Spirit. The promise, when it says promise, means if there's a promise, that means somewhere earlier it's been said that you will get the Holy Spirit. So then we ask the question, where is that? And that's found in the Old Testament. Turn with me real quick to Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 26, okay? Again, Ezekiel, you guys can use your table contents. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 26, okay? Uh, to 27, I mean. Ezekiel 36, 26. Again, let me say this again. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 to 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. For I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinance. Okay? Verses 26 27 reveals what? That God's able to have the capacity of changing us. And by the way, in the context of Ezekiel, these people have not been faithful to God for many years. And Ezekiel is saying, hey, you guys are sinning. You guys are hurting God. You're, you're offending God. Your relationship with God is horrible. You're pursuing, you're committing even spiritual adultery as if the image of marriage. And here's someone, you're not faithful. You're not a faithful bride to the groom, to God in Christ. And in light of all this, here's a verse of hope. 
God says, you know, I love you so much, I'm going to change your heart. You had a heart of stone. If you guys have been on Tuesday night, we've gone over the word heart, uh, you know, a uh, 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 heart and heart, okay? Saw it in the original context. But now the good news is a heart of flesh. That is, He changed you. But He doesn't just change you. Notice here, He gives us who? The Holy Spirit. And by the way, this is the new covenant. He's saying in a future time, people will now be able to respond to God and be able to live a life much more godlier than even in the Old Testament. How is that possible? He's given us the promise what? Holy Spirit. Do you guys see this? Ezekiel is in, if you go to any Jewish scripture, Ezekiel 36 is there. How do I know? Because I've seen the Jewish Torah it's the, or, or the, uh, the uh, Tanakh. It's there, okay? And it's promised that one day you have the capacity to be able to love God and He is the promised Holy Spirit. This is what? 500 years before Jesus Christ was even born. Turn with me also as well to 37 verse 14. Still same book, 37 verse 14. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I the Lord have spoken and have done it. Okay, this is a prophecy that this will happen. By the way, it's not just only the Old Testament. Jesus Christ himself talks about the coming Holy Spirit. If you guys can, turn with me real quick to Luke 24 verse 49. Okay, turn back to the New Testament. Luke 24 verse 49. Okay. Luke 24, verse 49. Luke 24, verses 49. It says, You And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Do you see the word promise again? What is this power, promise of power? Is later answered in the next book. So, uh, so Luke wrote two books, right? Luke, which is a uh, gospel of Luke, which is the life of Jesus. But after the life of Jesus is a church age. In Acts, we know that this is the Holy Spirit, right? Acts 1.5, you guys could turn there. Acts 1.5. I know you have to skip over the Gospel of John. But the original Jewish readers, would, uh, uh, early church, would have had Luke and Acts together. Acts 1.5. We regroup in uh, today because of uh, we put all the Gospel. That is the life of Jesus together, okay? Acts 1.5. For John baptized with water, but you baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, Okay. That is the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ says he, God will give the Holy Spirit the Old Testament. Where did Jesus get the idea? It's from the Old Testament. Okay, That He has given us the Holy Spirit. Okay, So in light of this, as application, have you been thankful for the Spirit living within you, if you believe, to help you with your life? Okay, I know I give this analogy all the time. I'm not a guy that's really handy with tools. Okay, I'm not a guy that's very handy with tools. I could go on YouTube watch it and, and it'll tell you how to do certain things in the car and I was like huh but sometimes I need to go to my dad and say hey dad uh, I need your presence here to help me out okay and he's like oh yeah it's so simple and they like, oh well you make it so simple but then walk through you guys notice that that sometimes we can learn by books but sometimes there's times whether it's mechanics or sometimes it's school we need a tutor right we need someone that's personally there to help us with that so God has not just only give us the word of God he's given us a personal help living inside us who is that the Holy Spirit okay also, as application in light of this, well, how does the Holy Spirit help? He, oh man, we could go through this for days, okay? Uh, love teaching theology of the Holy Spirit. But one of it, I think I want to go over one that sometimes we miss. Sometimes we don't think it's God. And sometimes we don't think it's... One of the things that the Holy Spirit helps us with is also convicting us. He comforts us, all those things, okay? We emphasize this. But one part that sometimes Christians, we easily forget is convict us. That is, He shows us where we're wrong. And we know we're wrong. That's also a gift of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to uh, John 16, verse 8, okay? John 16, verse 8. By the way, this has changed my life, knowing John 16, 8. That one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is, this has personally changed my life, is when people point out things that I'm wrong, um, usually our pride kicks in first, okay? Our pride kicks in first. But at least for myself, knowing what the Bible says, I'm a sinner, um, I feel... Understanding and believing this verse. This is actually one of my one of those verses that I really like. Because if you understand this, this changes the way you live. Okay? This changes the way you live. John 16, 8 says, And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay? And who's this he that's talking about? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ in the context was talking about the promised one. He's talking about the promised Holy Spirit right here. And then he says, What is the thing the Holy Spirit does? Is actually show the world where they are wrong. Okay? Where they're wrong. 
and where I'm wrong also as well. I love this church. One of the things I love about this church is I see one of the things God's been working on is also as well that I really firm believe what the Bible says, everyone is sinful, including the leaders, myself included. And if that's true, that means I am finite. I need you guys as much as you need me. Actually, well, we need God first, okay? But that realize, uh, one of the things I really love of our church membership as we've developed that over the years is what? Also, when we have servant meeting, right? When we have ideas, do I welcome your input? Are there times where I say, hey, I really think this is a good idea? And then other people say, <laughs> other people say, like, hey, this is what? Not a good idea, right? Has there been time Victor say, hey, you know, Jimmy, I don't know if this is fully biblical or if this is a really good idea. Have Victor, have you ever done that? You can't remember? Okay, I can't remember examples, but there are times. Actually, that's the first time I met Victor. That's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to go to TCAC in the beginning. When we were little kids, when I was 15, I had all these crazy ideas. I didn't know the Bible. All I had was a bunch of zeal. You remember that? You kind of remember those days. And then I had these crazy ideas. And then sometimes I have this. No one else tells me I'm wrong, except for one person. Who's that? Mm. Yeah, Holy Spirit. But the other humanly is what? Mm. Victor, right? Do you remember any of this? He said, hey, this is not biblical. This is what it is, okay? You can't think of an example. I can't think of an example, okay? But, but there were times. And I thought, okay, he knew his Bible. I need to go, okay? So in light of all this, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit shows we're wrong. We need each other, okay? We need each other, okay? Especially with the application. Sometimes we know the truth, but what we struggle is applying. We have blind spot. All of us have a blind spot. Blind spot is not just only with our cars in that zone where we can't see another car. Blind spots is in our lives too. So we have the Holy Spirit to convict, to show us where we are wrong. And not just to show us we're wrong, but to then say, oh, you could go to God for grace. Let's go to the last part. Let's go to the last part is... Uh, pray, uh, praise God for the down payment. Verses 14 uses the word, and most of our version says the word pledge. Let's read verse 14 first. Who is given as a pledge for our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. So here we see what God has done for us, is He's given as a pledge. And actually, who's given is actually the Holy Spirit. He's a pledge for our inheritance. Then we ask the question then is, what is inheritance? Okay? Or not inheritance. Uh, what is the word pledge? Okay? Um, I think the better way to translate, maybe this is, uh, most of us today probably the word pledge and down payment maybe sounds almost the same. Okay? Uh, but in only English, maybe it's a little more nuanced. Okay? Uh, yeah. I prefer the term down payment to convey the better idea of the Greek. The word, uh, word here is actually originally a Semitic word. It was originally adopted from, from you know, uh, the, it, it is Greek, but it adopted a word that's uh, from, from the Middle East, including the language family, include those that's Hebrew, okay? Um, this word appears three times in the New Testament, and really it has the idea of down payment for a purchase. Maybe the closest example of down payment we often think of in our world today is buying a house. When you buy a house, what do you have to, what is the down payment? Anyone want to explain, Victor, or anyone else? So, what is the down payment, Victor? Is that called on you? It's where you give some portion of the money that says that you're going to pay the rest later on. Yeah, okay. So when you buy a house, it's not just enough to say, oh, I'm going to buy the house, but you put down a certain amount of money. Okay, what's the usual percentage now people put in terms of down payment? I don't know. Five to ten. Five to ten, is that correct? Okay. I understand, too, if you put more down payment then you, they probably want you, right, because they have cash up front, right, okay? So in light of that, that's down payment, okay? Uh, so this is the same word that's used here. So that's why you prefer to use that term uh, instead of a pledge, because sometimes we think of pledges like what? You know, like sometimes we pass out a card and say, hey, we have this project at church, a building project or, or giving, and therefore you sign this, you give this, okay? But a down payment is, is, is you're, you're, you're purchasing something and you're putting money down, and even outside the Bible, one of the terms in one of those old manuscripts people have is of a woman buying a cow and paying a thousand coins for that, okay? Uh, ahead of time, okay? Because cows back then was what? It's not every day you eat cows. We, we're lucky today, right? But back then, you know, uh, cows sometimes are some people's most expensive possession, okay? In fact, sometimes you don't kill cows until there's what? A big wedding because they don't have fri refrigerator back then, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, when you kill a cow, a hundred pound, you know, not hundred pound, 500, 600, 700, you invite the whole village, okay? And, and then some, okay? So usually you do it for what? Weddings, that kind of thing, big festival, okay? So here, this word, down payment, um, 
I think it's better to translate that as down payment instead of pledge. It has the idea of you're giving a portion of the whole payment. Whereas the idea of pledge is you're saying you're agreeing to pay something, okay? And the form of this word is actually later used. I love the richness of the word. It's actually a derivative of this word. It's actually used for later on, or not later on, in other places, as engagement ring, okay? When you want to marry someone, you propose to them, yes? Right. And then in American custom, we usually give what? A ring, okay? An engagement ring, okay? As a form of what? Promise. As a form of down payment, okay? And I think this is a beautiful word when you think about this, okay? Because the church is later on in Ephesians 6, 5. Or Ephesians 5 is described, the church is described as a bride of Christ. So when, we're, when He promised He'll love us and never leave us, one of the things He gives us, Christ gives us, is the Holy Spirit. This is why if you read the Old Test New Testament, Father and Son sends the Holy Spirit, okay? Mm -hmm. Father and Son sends the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if Christ is the groom and we're the bride, he gives us this as what? A down payment, okay? If we could even draw a little bit more, more there's a little more too creative to say, I wouldn't translate this, but I'll bring out the meaning. It could even say it's almost like a ring, an engagement ring to us, the church, saying He is not done with us. He is working in us, okay? A form of the word, like you said, is used for engagement ring. It's a promise that God is still working in us. And you look at church history, there's ups and downs, Yes? Is there some ugliness? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. I think some of the hardest time in church history, one of the most ugliest time, probably is medieval age. Can I say this? Sure. Medieval age, right? And that's a time where people were very ignorant of what? The Word of God, okay? The priests even made it back then where people cannot read the Bible. It's actually, a, the Catholic Church at one time even says, it's a, you, if you read the Bible and you're not a priest, you're in trouble. And by the way, most priests don't even read, okay, the Bible. They just just go through what they say of tradition, okay? So by the time the Reformation in the 1500s, people went to the source, and that's where the major change came about, okay? So even as the church, as it goes through ugliness in all of that time period, you'll see there is a correspondence of biblical illiteracy, okay? Um, biblical illiteracy. Yes, I know sometimes people can use the Word of God for their agenda. Like even American history, during the time of slavery, they did that. But I also believe, if you, this is why in American slavery, they banned what? Reading. Because once people start reading the Bible for themselves... They saw, hey, Exodus story. Hey, then if you read African-American, a lot of the early spirituals are singing about what? Stories of being free from, from slavery. Why? You can never domesticate and neuter the Bible, right? It, 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 you cannot control it. The Word of God will still speak through if you read it. So the Word of God shows us that we are a down payment, okay? We are a down payment and He saves us. It's a pleasure saying, hey, I am not done with you yet. And you, when you look at church history, yes, it's ugly, but God is working and changing believers, right? Even, for instance, the believer's understanding of the role of church and state, okay? Because in Roman Catholic times, they think that who's above the state is the church. And then sometimes people think the church is above the uh, state. And I would say there's two separate institutions. This is where American founders had the idea of separation of what? Powers. Okay, if you read it, was, again, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying everything in the American Revolution is Christian. I'm not saying that. There's a lot of crazy ideas in there too. But one of the roots is what? Reform, covenantal, Presbyterian, Scottish thinkers influencing that also as well. That's one of the roots. That's not the only thing, okay? But here we see it's a lot of that, the separation of powers. It comes from this. It's saying, God is saying, hey, I'm not done with you. I am working and purifying and changing you also as well. There is a guarantee that it shows here. This word, like I said, is, is used as a pledge for the future, that He is not done with us. And then if you look, turn back with me to Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 14, when it says a pledge, or a better version is down payment of our inheritance. Remember how last week I said that we are an inheritance to God? That's a better way of understanding it. But the Bible also says the other way also as well, that we also have an inheritance and that is God Himself as well. Here in this part, when it says our inheritance is saying, now we also get things. It's not just we are an inheritance to God, but also we also get things from God. And He promises those things. Many things in the Bible said, some of it will happen in the future. You guys realize that? Some of it will happen in the future. So here when you see, it's to, we will be redeemed. We will be redeemed. Some of those things is a promise to say, how do I know? By the way, we have to realize some of the promises is not yet future. 
it's not yet, it's still future. For instance, there's verses that say we will be healed. But that does not mean, oh, I'll be healed. I'm never going to go see the doctors. In fact, even in the New Testament, what happened? Paul says to Timothy, what? Drink a little wine for your bad stomach, right? In fact, there's even a doctor that wrote part of the Bible. That doctor's name is what? Luke, okay? So there is that. But also, as we realize, when, when you say, how do I know in the future? God says, the way you know His promise is true is what? He's given us the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the way we see this is also, I feel, this is secondary reason why I believe God is real. Is I also see God working in my life. Not so much of I get everything I want, because remember, like I said, some things is future. But when He gives a down payment, I see also, oh, the down payment is the Holy Spirit. I also see God changing me. I also see God changing me. And you know, sometimes when we struggle so much with certain sin, why does God allow that? I think in my own life, I see the reason why is to let me know, man, I cannot change by my own power. Okay? Sometimes when we change, we feel like, oh, hey, I'm just so awesome. We're just full of ourselves, right? But I feel those struggles that we have with certain things, and everyone's struggle is different. Everyone's struggle is different. Why He allowed that is so that when you do change, you realize what? It really is the work of who? God. And not yourself, okay? It's really the work of God and not yourself. So that when you finally do have victory, you say, hey, I really know it's not myself. Because when I do this on my own power, I always give up. But I know it's the Holy Spirit. And He gives Himself as down payment, saying, you know what? He will change you. You have hope. There is hope with heaven. How do we know all that? It's because God has given the Holy Spirit to say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you will be working in you. Okay? In light of all this... These are reasons, the many reasons why we praise God. Praise God that we are sealed. That we have security, that we are owned by Him. Mm-hmm. Praise God that He's given us the Holy Spirit with all the things He promised to work in us. Never leave us, never forsake us. That we would not lose our salvation if you truly have trust in Him. And also down payment that He says, you know what? You will one day have a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But right now the Son has moved to heaven, right? But will we ever see Him again? Yes. Yes, if you trust in Him. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit now. Will we one day be able to be in the presence of God the Father in a many, more deeper way than now? Yes. How do I know? Because we have the Holy Spirit residing in me. And the Holy Spirit, remember, you can't domesticate, control Him. He'll change you. He'll work in you. Your path might not be the one you plan necessarily. But I believe in everything through trials and tribulation, one thing as down payment is He will make you more like Him. Okay? Let us now go to Him and say, Lord God... Help me love him more because of these reasons.